0: Let me just uh, take this in for a moment. This is, this is, this is nice. This is so incredibly um, heartwarming for me because I've been used to 14 weeks now to preaching to a camera that gives me zero engagement and reaction. And so it's nice just to look out and see your face. I've thought about your faces often, but to see your faces is a huge joy this morning. And I just want to remind maybe our hearts this morning of of the privilege it is. Isn't it it true? It's a privilege to be together this morning as God's people, amen? And we need to not, listen, we need to not lose sight of the privilege that this is. And the time that we've been apart, I hope has just made your hearts like it has for mine, long to be together again and to treasure the time that we have together. And my heart's desire this morning is that as we look at God's word, that God is going to do just that. He's gonna help us remember the value of being together physically as God's people. And so I want to invite you to take your Bible, open up to the book of Genesis, and we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. And and this sermon, we're not going to kind of drill down and unpack one verse or a handful of verses like we normally do. This is going to kind of be a high-level overview. We're going to drop down on a few verses. And, And the purpose, again, is simply just to remind our hearts about why physically being together is a good and right thing and something that I think God is going to help us treasure all the more. Um, During the pandemic, as you all know, the the government identified um, essential services that could remain open because they were seen as necessary for the well-being of the public. Now, my goal this morning is not to dispute what they identified as essential. I'll leave that for you to figure out. Rather, I simply want to remind you, in my own heart this morning, that the the local church, the physical assembling of God's people, let me say that again, the local church, the physical assembling of God's people, what we're doing right here, right now, is essential, okay? Pun intended, these are essential services, and we need to see them as that, and value them as that, and treasure them as that, Being together physically, corporately as the people of God is essential for your spiritual health, for your spiritual growth and development and maturity, and it's designed this way by God himself. This is not some kind of a human invention. This isn't simply practical wisdom. This is divine truth for our souls. Though we rightly hit the pause button for a season... In a desire to honor the the governing authorities over us and to love our neighbors as we've seen this pandemic unfold, we did that rightly. I want just to remind you that it is right that we regather together again and rightly understand how important and how critical it is to physically be together. To know that according to God's word that what we're doing here really isn't optional. It's commanded by God for our good and for his glory. We can't simply keep doing church, if I can use air quotes, because that's really important, church the way we were doing it. That's not the way it was designed to be done. Although I understand for some of you, it was fun watching services in your pajamas. I know you did it, I did it too. But that was a temporary solution. It was helpful for a time, but let me just be very clear. It is an unhelpful substitute over time. It's not the way God designed the body of Christ to function. So I simply want to remind us this morning of the importance of physically regathering. I want to give you three reasons why we need to be physically regathering. I want to build for you a little bit of a framework and a theology, remind you of some things I'm sure you already know, but it's good for our hearts to be reminded this morning. So in Genesis chapter 1, I want to just show you the basis of regathering. In case you're inclined to think that somehow virtual um, is better than physical, let me remind you that when God spoke creation into existence, he spoke the physical into existence. And I I know you know this, and I know it sounds kind of patently obvious, but it's helpful to be reminded that God loves the physical creation. God created it. Genesis chapter 1, we won't read it in its entirety, but just remember, as you walk through the story, God speaks Physical material creation, and as he does so, right, he uses this phrase after all of his creation. He's saying, and it was what? Kids, you help me out, kids. It was bad. No, no. it was okay. No, kids, help me out. What does he, what does he say? It's what? It's good. Sorry, right. some adults can help out too. That's all right he says it was good. He creates the physical world, and he says it is good. But I want you to notice this. After God creates humanity as the pinnacle of his creative activity, physical people he brings into existence through the words of his mouth, so to speak, he steps back from his creation And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, look at what he says here. It'll be on the screen behind me. You can look at your Bibles too, right in front of you. It says, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. That's God's way of saying, this is exactly the way I've designed it to be. This is what I wanted. And so let me just remind you, in our tech-savvy world and our technological advancements that are good and helpful in many ways, God loves the physical creation. He created men and women to enjoy a physical relationship. He said to them, be fruitful and multiply. That requires physical connection. Parents, you can explain that one to your kids later. It is God's desire that we enjoy physical intimate relationships with one another. God has made us not just relational but physical. I love what David Gunnerson says, so helpful this quote in light of all that we've been going through. It'll be on the screen again behind me. He says, "We are not just pixels and screen names, headshots on Zoom and FaceTime. I'm so done with Zoom. Anybody else with me?" We are human beings. We're designed to see, and hear, and taste, and touch, and feel our way through the physical world that God's made. No loving couple gladly accepts a long-distance relationship as ideal, neither should the Church of Jesus Christ. I know that virtual was in many ways easy. Um, for many of us, it was a little bit more comfortable. It was less time consuming, less demanding, especially if you've got a young family. You could hit the pause button anytime you wanted on Mark. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know you hit the pause button on me more than you hit it on Mark. It's okay, I'm not offended. And again, just be reminded, that was an adequate substitute for the short term, but it is an insufficient one for the long term. We cannot trade what is essential, the physical gathering of God's people, for what is easy in the virtual world. Let me say it like this, we cannot settle for merely adequate, we must cling to what God tells us is very good. And it is good that we enjoy the physical relationships that God has given us gathered together as God's people. All throughout the Bible, what we see is that not only did God create physical things, but he created people to be in physical relationships. He calls one people group out of all the nations of the earth. He calls Israel from the line, the physical line of Abraham. He pulls them together as a people who would do life together, who would glorify God together, who would live in fellowship with God and with one another. In the New Testament, we see the birth of the church, the ecclesia, the the called out ones, and we see that they're called out of the world, but to gather together as God's people, right out the gates we see this, Not because they didn't have the option of Zoom calls or virtual meetings, but because, listen, virtual reality is not as good as reality reality. God has designed us for this. And this is what we need to be reminded of. As great as technology is, this right here is what we are designed to know and experience for our good and for God's glory. In fact, I want to remind you, secondly, of the benefit of regathering. We know that God has created just theologically all things for our good, and we know that He's created physical creation. But we need to be reminded of the benefit of of what happens when we gather together physically things that take place that that you can't substitute in a virtual environment. You can turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. In the book of Acts, again, we see the birth of the church. And after we see. Um, 3,000 people saved after Peter preaches this sermon, what we see is fascinating. We get a little bit of a window into the early church. How did they begin to do life together? What were the things that characterized them? What are the dynamics of these people? Well, in Acts 2.42, it says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, notice this word here, and the fellowship. That right there implies physical connection, physical proximity towards one another to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Look down at verse 44 for a moment. It says this, and all who believed, notice these words, were together. I don't think that just means in mind or in heart. I think it means physically because what we see here is that they began to physically serve one another, meet needs in the community. Verse 46, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. I mean, do you just just get a sense of what's happening here? They're doing life together, centered around the relationship with Jesus Christ. This new community of people understands the benefit of being together, of serving one another, of loving and caring for one another, of pursuing Jesus together. I don't know about you, but this season was a reminder of what we can often take for granted, wasn't it? When things are stripped away, you instantly kind of get this sense of of what's missing and what's left out. And I can just tell you personally that having our physical gatherings taken away from us has only made my heart long for them all the more. It's also been a reminder of what we can take for granted. Listen, we can gather every week together. Think about this. We can gather together every single week, not under the threat of persecution or opposition like many people around the world right now today. We can freely do this in this country, and yet so often we treat it so trivially. We treat the gathering of of God's people in in very lighthearted ways. We don't see it for what it truly is, a precious gift from God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote these words in this little book that he wrote called Life Together. It's so profoundly helpful. He says this, He said it is by the grace of God that a congregation is permitted to gather visibly in this world to share God's word and sacrament. Not all Christians receive this blessing. The imprisoned, the sick, the scattered lonely, the proclaimers of the gospel in heathen lands stand alone alone. They know that visible fellowship is a blessing. The physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. I mean, I don't know if your heart has ached to be around people in this season, but mine sure has. Because of the the joy and the strength that comes in being together, that is one of the sweetest benefits. It's like what John says in 2 John chapter sorry, verse 12. We've looked at this. I mentioned this in our prayer meetings, but John says it like this. He says, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face. But notice why. So that our joy may be complete. He's just saying, listen, being apart from one another is not ideal being with one another, looking into each other's eyes, speaking to one another, sharing each other's burdens and struggles and joys. It's one of the greatest sources of joy to be together as God's people. And you know, the reason that the Bible commands the physical gatherings isn't just for our joy, it is for our growth and development as followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, we're given this this warning and, and this call, this exhortation to be careful about neglecting to meet together. The author of Hebrews says this, let us draw near with true hearts in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Here's what he's saying, listen. We need to be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We need to be clinging to the things that are right and true. We need to be pursuing Jesus Christ so fervently. But here's the key. You can't do this alone. That's why he says, verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. His point is simply this if you want to pursue Jesus Christ with greater vigor and fervor, you need to be with God's people. You need what they have to offer, you need their encouragement, you need the comfort, you need the care, you need the exhortations, you need the sharpening. And you need to be that for those who God has brought you into fellowship with. It's helpful to remember that according to the New Testament, the church of Jesus Christ is God's family on earth. And these metaphors are so helpful for how we understand what life together looks like. We're a family, and healthy families, they live together, they laugh together, they cry together, they help each other. We must be faithful, listen, this is an important reminder, we must be faithful during the season to reach out to those who can't safely join us. There are still some people who are watching online because they can't, they can't come back yet, or or they're wrestling through this, and that's that's perfectly okay. But let me remind you that all who are able should seek to gather for our life-giving family reunions. The New Testament tells us that we're also Christ's body on earth with Jesus Christ as our head, each of us as a member of the body uniquely designed by God to fit perfectly together. And like you know with a physical body, uh, any dislocated part of the body, any dismembered part of the body is going to end up dying and the whole body is going to suffer. We all share in common life and we are all dependent on each other. Different body parts, but we're all intricately woven together by our Father. We were never meant to be independent, but instead interdependent. The New Testament tells us as well that we are God's temple on earth. But the New Testament gives us this picture: listen, that the local assembling of God's people is next of the community of faith. One of those means of grace is the preaching of God's word. And I just, I just, the heralding of God's word is what the Spirit of God takes in these moments, right here, right now, and he begins to impress them upon your heart in unique ways. As we gather right now, the Spirit of God is bringing correction and encouragement and conviction and hope and peace and transformation. And some, in some people's lives, salvation occurs in these moments. It is supernatural. It is divine. It is unique. Listening to sermons online, listen, watching from home is a great supplement to your growth and development as a Christian, but it is no substitute from sitting. He wants us to take these physical means and physical reminders and symbols, and he wants to communicate to us deeply important spiritual truths. The benefits of physically the lord's supper the ordinance that he's given to the church to practice on a regular basis you can flip in your bibles if you're not there already to 1 corinthians chapter 11. and it's there that paul is speaking to the corinthian church and he he walks them through the words of jesus and reminds them of how they're supposed to practice the lord's supper together and as we're doing this i'm actually going to ask the ushers if they would begin to pass out the elements for us now, this last point is dedicated completely to our understanding of the Lord's Supper in some really unique ways this morning. Um, these have been all prepared carefully, just so you know. And um, the ushers are going to walk around these trays. There's two cups stacked together. Um, make sure you grab both of them if you're participating this morning. They're going to walk through the aisles, and they're going to hold them out like uh, Tim Horton's drive through You just take it from the tray, and you'll be good. And let me just remind you, listen, the Lord's Supper is for baptized believers— If you're not a baptized believer, then I just ask you, please just let this pass. Um, You can watch and and just listen, maybe, to an explanation of the Lord's Supper that might be helpful for you this morning. You know, we decided during this pandemic not to celebrate the Lord's Supper because um, we were, because of our theological conviction that the Lord's Supper is something that is to be practiced in the physical gathering of God's people. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 11, let me just show you the context. Look at verse 18. It says, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, just, by the way, that's such unique language. There, there is the universal church, but there are the local expressions of church. We, we are meeting as a church family right now. And here the context of the Lord's Supper is to be practiced when the local church gathers, assembles together. So in our context, we don't practice communion of the Lord's Supper on our own as individuals. We don't even practice it in our small group ministry. We believe it's reserved to be experienced by the corporate physical gathering of God's people. And that's not to say that um, we condemn anybody who disagrees. We just want you to know our beliefs on this, our conviction on this. Could I get one of those as well, by the way? Thank you. No, it's fine. It's all new. Baron, everybody's. Thank you. Thanks very much. Here's what Paul writes in verse 23 of chapter 11. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The beauty of the Lord's Supper is that this really is a family meal, And it's meant to remind us of at least three things. It's meant to remind us of the uniqueness of this present moment. That at this moment right now, something unique is happening, that we are actually in communion, listen, together with one another and with our God who has united our hearts together by his spirit. So right now, we need to reflect on that reality that God has called us as his people, as his body, as his family, In fact, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, wanting to emphasize that the physical, personal, intimate relationship, said this. You can look at it on the screen. He said, "...the believer feels no shame as though he were still living too much much in the flesh when he yearns for the physical presence of other Christians." Man was created a body. The Son of God appeared on earth in the body. He was raised in the body. In the sacrament, the believer receives the Lord Christ in the body, and the resurrection of the dead will bring about the perfected fellowship of God's spiritual, physical creatures. The believer, therefore, lauds, praises the Creator, the Redeemer, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the bodily presence of a brother. You see, what we do here is not just about you and the Lord. It's about us together in the Lord, and it's right to remember that together this morning. This is a celebratory feast that also looks beyond the present moment and takes us back to the cross. We remember, as Paul says, what Jesus did for us that God loved us so much that he would take on physical flesh, that he would shed his blood, that he would physically suffer, body broken, blood shed. We remember the great work of God to redeem lost sinners and to gather us as his family, but I want to really focus your attention on another aspect of the Lord's Supper, and that is the forward-pointing aspect of the Lord's Supper. You see, the Lord's table is celebratory. We celebrate what he's done in his substitutionary atonement, the forgiveness of sins, but it's also anticipatory. It is looking forward, and Paul actually makes that clear at the very end of verse 26. Did you notice this? He says, for as often as you eat of this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, notice these words, until he comes. In other words, he's constantly reminding us, every time we take the Lord's Supper, it's an indication, listen, this isn't going to last forever. We are doing this until a certain point in time when the Lord Jesus Christ returns physically, bodily, to set up his eternal kingdom. It's a powerful reminder, listen, of a supper that is yet to come. What we do here, it points us forward to a new reality, a new physical reality, where we will sit with our Lord and Savior face to face. New resurrected bodies, and a new heaven, and a new earth. Jesus, in... Matthew chapter 26 verse 29 said much of the same thing. Listen to what he he said to his disciples. He said, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Revelation 19 calls this the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're awaiting a day we look forward in hope and faith to this new meal that is to come, where we will experience the ongoing eternal provision and presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the true beauty of regathering what we hold in our hands, what we are reminded of together right now as we look at each other. This is a foretaste of what's to come. One day we will be regathered again physically in the presence of our physical Savior, and we will sit and eat a feast in His presence. And this is intended by God to stir our hearts, to increase our hope, and increase our faith. So, as we hold these elements and as we pray in a moment, I trust that God is maybe giving you a renewed joy in what He has done for you in the cross a reminder of His grace that has been experienced, but His grace that is still yet to come. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, God, we thank You for the cross. We thank You for Your body that was broken for us. We thank You for Your blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank You, Lord, that You came and sought us, that You physically came to rescue us from our sin. Thank you that you physically rose from the grave, that you defeated, you conquered sin and death, and that you have been exalted to the right hand of the Father. Thank you that, Lord, one day soon you are coming back. Thank you that you will give us new resurrection bodies fit for eternal glory. God, may our hearts long for that day, and as we wait for that day, Lord, may we long to be in one another's presence. May we long to stir each other up to love and good deeds. May we long to look more like our Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.